0: Welcome to Iskand of Silicon Valley. We're happy to be here in this sanctuary. And the purpose of Iskand of Silicon Valley is to provide a base from which we can recollect our thoughts and fortify our practice of bhakti yoga, which is executed in nine different ways, beginning with hearing, chanting, and remembering. And everyone in the world is hearing, chanting, and remembering something. The point is that whatever we remember, we'll aspire for and we'll give our energy to. However, in the Gita, Krishna advises us that, yanti deva devan yanti yanti bhute jayanti mam that whatever you worship or whatever you put your energy into, you'll end up going to. And then in the overall science of Krishna consciousness and bhakti yoga, there's a description of how life in this entire universe is fraught with birth, death, old age, and disease. And that beyond this universe, there's a demarcation called the Viraja. It's a place that is not affected by the three modalities of the material world. But that beyond that, there's a realm of spiritual effulgence, which is coming directly from the body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And as we continue through that realm, we'll come to the spiritual planets, known as Vaikunthas. Above the Vaikunthas is Goloka Vrindavan Dham, the topmost sphere within the spiritual region. This is a description of the, uh, in Sanskrit of what I just said. So, those who understand that the human body is a special facility for practicing, meditating on the Supreme, take the opportunity to come together to practice the age-old tenets of bhakti, especially by hearing and chanting. So tonight we'll we'll chant the Hare Krishna Ma Mantra, along with a few other mantras. And we'll also look within the uh, (laughs) nectar of instruction, a book uh, which is called in Sanskrit, the Upadeshamrita, which is... uh, called the nectar of instruction that gives succinct instructions about the practice of bhakti. And hopefully we'll either take it as a reminder or we can take away some new ideas about how to practice bhakti that we can apply not only while we're here or listening online but also when we get back home where we have to make a lot of decisions and organize our lives and Ways that will benefit us in the best possible way. So we'll start tonight by chanting the Hare Krishna Maham mantra, since we have a quorum. And the first mantra we'll chant is uh, a mantra of obeisance to His uh, Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is very dear to Lord Krishna in this world having taken shelter of his lotus feet. And also his mission, which was to spread the teachings of Lord Chaitanya, especially in the regions of the world where people are affected by the idea that there is no God or that the ultimate goal of spiritual life is to become nothing, which is not very good. And so he he is, Within the mantras offering respects to, to our teacher are also uh, listed his basic mission statement. Then after that we'll chant a mantra which is remembering, glorifying Krishna in his most merciful form or avatar one who appears in the world to give benefit to others of Lord Chaitanya. And you can see his picture here, he's in the center He's of golden color, and he's Krishna himself, but he's also the combined form of Radha and Krishna. And he has his associates who act like his his weapons, because in Kali Yuga, the intention is to kill the demoniac spirit within the heart so that one can actually take to spiritual life. So these five together introduce the system of bhakti that. Eradicates ignorance and gives one an opportunity to go back to that highest spiritual planet, Goloka Vrindavan. It's very practical. Anyone can take to the process that was taught by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates. And if anybody wants to know more about that, there's a book called The Teachings of Lord Chaitanya. Tonight, available if you call in for a low, low price. Just now coming. The Teachings of Lord Chaitanya. It's like a PhD thesis paper. It goes from the very beginning teachings and the history of Lord Chaitanya to the most esoteric of of his teachings. And there's never a dull moment reading this book. But if you call in tonight at the number you see on your screen, then we'll make one of those available to you. All you have to do is send us a one-page essay uh, asking for for the book itself and telling us why you want it. And here's the book, The Teachings of Lord Chaitanya. Write us a one page essay telling you why you want this why you want this book. It's got pictures of Lord Chaitanya. It's got the history. It's got the entire philosophy of Krishna consciousness here in one book. Needn't go anywhere else to understand Bhakti Yoga, just this one book. And we will send you the book. In fact if you write us even now, online, so, uh, at least two paragraphs telling why you want the book. And, and it's got some good, good reasons in there. We will arrange to send you the book, so include your address. Okay? Thank you very much. Magyana timarandasya, gyananjana shalakaya, chakshurun viditam jena, tasmai shigurave namaha. Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Garadhara Sri Vasari Gauravakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare Gopremanande Hare Hare Bhava So back in the 1980s we used to, when we were, I remember in St. Louis, Missouri, distributing books, oftentimes when we'd show a book and, and uh, ask if someone would like to make a donation, people would answer that I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. <laughs> and that was their reason why they couldn't give. Um, <clears throat> it's actually an emotion, being disgusted, that is helpful in spiritual life in the Shrimad Bhagavatam, Devahuti admits before Kapiladev, her son, who's giving her knowledge that frees her from the material world that she's disgusted. Disgusted with the state of affairs of her life and especially the way one life after another, her senses have been demanding so much from her. You can serve in this material world for your whole life And practically no one will be satisfied with you. Probably gives the example of Gandhi in India. He served his country better than practically anybody could. And at the end, one of his countrymen shot him. Thank you. He also gives the example that oftentimes someone will serve his or her family for a lifetime and then requests a little leave to engage in spiritual life. For instance there was an elderly woman Prabhupada talks about, this is Sharma, who decided she wanted to dedicate her life full time to Krishna consciousness and when uh, she mentioned it to her family they became adamantly against it and said, no, no, you stay here and serve us. And there's a way that uh, the senses also are personified. Kama katina katita palita And they're described as bad masters who are always demanding. And no matter how long I spend feeding them, they're never quite satisfied. Even after a lifetime, they still demand more. It's not a point at which they stop demanding. And in the Shrimad Bhagavatam, I'd like to read you the verse where Devahuti declares her sense of disgust to Krishna, her son, in the form of Kapiladev. She says, at 3.25.7, I am very sick of the disturbance caused by my material senses. For, because of this sense disturbance, my lord, I have fallen into the abyss of ignorance." Here's Śrīla Prabhupāda's purport. Here the word asat-indriya-tarshanat is significant. Asat means impermanent, temporary, and indriya means senses. Thus asat-indriya-tarshanat means from being agitated by the temporarily manifest senses, of the material body. So, in the Bhagavad Gita and elsewhere, our situation is described here as embodied souls, that we have two bodies, and they're both called Kshetra, a place where we perform our activities. And in the Gita, Krishna says, kshetra gnyam sarva kshetri shubharata kshetra shetra gyanam gyanam A person who is in knowledge is one who knows the difference between himself as the Kshetrajya, or the one who knows the field, and the field itself. And it's further described how we have two fields of activity. One is the gross material body. It's made of earth, water, fire, and air. And then there's the subtle elements, which is the Kshetra, called the psychological body, and it's made up of mind, intelligence, and ego. And one of those kshetras is newer than the other. Which one is it? Yeah, which one's newer? The gross body. You just got it recently. Within the last, say, you know, 17 to 63 years. And I mean that's pretty recent, even in geological time. And then you have a very ancient kshetra that you've been carrying with you through many lifetimes, as Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita, "Shariram Ram yat Yatshap Yukramatishvara, Rihit Vaitani Samyati, Vayur Gandam Ivasaya, Shotram Chakshus Parshanam Cha, Rasanam Granamevacha, Adishnayam Manaschayam, Vishayan Upasevate, Ukramantam Stitam Vapi, Bunjanan, Vam Ganavitam, Vimuna Nanapashanti, Pashanti Ganachakshusha. There's a Sequence of verses in which Krishna describes how we carry the subtle body with us. It becomes conditioned in a certain way, and therefore the subtle body gets accommodated by another gross body that fits the subtle body. And one who's trained in knowledge can see what's happening: that the person is ukramantam, stepping out of one body, gross subtle body, gross material body, sitam bapi boonjanan bhagwan But a person who's not trained in knowledge can't see what's happening. So this is the situation of a soul in this world that he or she is situated within a gross material body, and there's the what is called the temporary, temporarily manifest senses of the material body. You only get to keep them for a little while. And there's no lease agreement. They can be revoked at any second. Continuing, we are evolving through different statuses of material bodily existence, sometimes in a human body, sometimes in an animal body, and therefore the engagements of our material senses are also changing. Anything which changes is called temporary or asat. We should know that beyond these temporary senses are our permanent senses, which are now covered by the material body. The permanent senses being contaminated by matter are not acting properly. Devotional service, therefore, therefore involves freeing the senses from this contamination. So one of the definitions of devotional services is given in the Narada Pancharatra, and it says, Sarvapari vinishmuktan tapratheena nirmalam, Hrishikena Hrishikesha sevanam bhakti ruchite. That's the process of devotional service means engaging our present senses in service to Krishna, who is called Hrishikesha, or that He's the master of our senses. And in the act of doing that, that kind of activity is purifying, and it actually purifies the senses so that they come back to their original state of being connected with Krishna. Then Prabhupada continues. When the contamination is completely removed and the senses act in the purity of unalloyed Christian consciousness, we have reached sadindriya, or eternal sensory activities. Eternal sensory activities are called devotional service. What's another name for devotional service? Yeah. E-S-A. Whereas, temporary sensory activities are called sense gratification. Unless one becomes tired of material sense gratification, there's no opportunity to hear transcendental messages from a person like Kapila. Devahuti expressed that she was tired. Now that her husband had left home, she wanted to get relief by hearing the instructions of Lord Kapiladev. So one might argue then, okay, well her husband left and now was near the end of her life so that's a good time to get tired. No! One should be intelligent and figure this out early on. Don't be optimistic and think, I'll just be optimistic and try to pursue sense gratification now when my senses are strong and then later on I'll take to Krishna consciousness. This is a farce. Because first of all, we don't know how old we are. Because old means about to die. And nobody can say, uh, if they're older than younger, anybody else, because at any minute you can step in front of a bus and be smashed like a bug. And therefore, we have to be aware of the fact that we're just uh, on borrowed time. And furthermore, Prahlad Maharaj said, This is a fixed principle that As soon as one recognizes the importance of of human life, even from the time one's a child, one should take fully the process of Krishna consciousness and therefore this sense of being tired of material nature comes by good fortune. It's not a matter of waiting until the end because we don't know when that will be. So everyone's free to develop this perspective and to be tired of the interaction, of the senses with the material world. So don't be afraid of frustration and don't be worn down by the complexities of life. They're there for everybody as we're wholly incompatible with matter. And therefore, we will be frustrated and at some point we should realize the futility of struggling very hard in order to establish the status quo or keep the status quo here in the material world. And although it's not a license to abandon one's duties, it is a license to internally become fully dedicated to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the idea that I'm a servant of Krishna and that everything I'm doing now is meant to bring me closer to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So that's the uh, preamble to what I'm going to say tonight, which will be include some very practical instructions about what to do after you get tired and you say, I've had enough, no loss. I give up. I'm throwing the towel in the ring and I'm not going to fight anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm being made a fool of and I'm, I'm tired of it. And so after that, there's practical steps that one can take. You don't just have to be frustrated. You can actually do something about it. So, before we go into that, any uh, uh, reflections about the first part? One, two. We'll try out all the microphones and see (laughs) if any of them work. So, uh,
1: actually I had a question. So, what is the meaning of status quo? I know we say it, what do we exactly mean by that?
0: Shraddha will tell us.
1: Status quo is a noun, which means the existing state of affairs, especially regarding social or political issues. For example, they have a vested interest in maintaining the status quo. Origin is Latin, literally, the state in which.
0: Status quo of the mature world. Devam Swami describes as mass consensual trance. I'll agree not to notice that I'm being blasted by the time energy. If you don't say anything, I won't say anything. We'll just try to cover it up and keep moving. This is a status quo move, and we'll distract ourselves. We'll invent games. We'll put lines on the field like a diamond. We'll get a ball, wrap it up with pigskin, and we'll throw it at each other, (laughs) try to hit it with a bat, and then we'll make a national pastime out of it which we spend billions of dollars every year, advertise all kinds of goods you don't need, and we live in a dream world. And if anybody comes and says, you know, this is actually counterproductive to human life, or, you know, what are you doing, grown men running around on um, on a field all day long, you'll be ostracized because you'll be asked to keep the status quo. Plato talked about this in his liberation of the cave dwellers where he said that material life is like people who've been chained inside a a dark cave and they're facing the back of the wall and behind them there's some lights from flickering fires and what they're watching on the wall is just some dancing um, reflections and some silhouettes and they take this to be the full reality and somehow or other one day one of the inmates gets free and sneaks out of the cave and then sees that there's a whole world which uh, astounds him. And he wanders around for a while and then comes back into the cave says, hey, there's a whole world out there. And then Plato goes on to describe how this person will be maligned and disbelieved and then ostracized. Don't say these things. This is heresy that there's something more. So this is The idea of keeping the status quo, I'll just ignore it. Death is part of life and I'll go on. But actually we're meant to become disgusted with the idea uh, that I have to inhabit this body for some time and then give it up and go to a whole uh, different destination. This is the definition of torture. Everyone wants to stay in an actual status quo, but you can't in the material world. The word travel comes from the word travail, which dates back to a, a word that means an instrument of torture. So you're constantly pushed to move along to somewhere else. And so the soul is described Brahmanda Brahmate Kon Bhagyavanjiv. He's wandering the material world, traveling uh, without ultimate purpose until he becomes fortunate and meets a spiritual master who tells him that. Actually, you're not part of this world. You're not a cave dweller. There's a whole other world out there. And there's a way to reach that world. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, uh, the devotees are uh, like a vaidya, a doctor. And they carry with them two things to cure the disease of the conditioned soul. One of them is hymns, and the other one is instructions. There were a couple more reflections. Deva Ratha Prabhu.
2: I was just appreciating the point that you said about frustration of life should encourage us to become internally absorbed as a servant of Krishna. And I've noticed in my practice of Krishna consciousness the speed at which i become frustrated with material life has accelerated since coming in contact with the holy name and since coming in contact with uh, the devotees.
0: In what ways would you say? What well, like, are some of the symptoms?
2: I just see um, how limiting the material body is in the practice of devotional service. You know, like, you want to work really hard on book distribution, but then the body can't keep up sometimes with the degree you want to be going at. It needs to rest, it needs to eat. You do all these things that really slow down our desire to serve. And so many things prevent us from engaging in the practice to our full capacity. So this is a good
0: way to get a spiritual body. Because, as I was reading recently, a series of quotes Prabhupada wrote about how friendly Krishna is. He says, Krishna is so friendly that he stays with us life after life and fulfills all their desires, whatever they may be. And when he sees that the living entity is interested in serving him, then he gives facility for that. So what would Krishna do with somebody who has a physical body, and has extended it completely into devotional service and can't stretch any further. When such a person leaves the material body, then Krishna says, well, you need a spiritual body in order to continue serving at the kind of level that you would like to serve. That's the idea. When somebody leaves the body and their full intention is to go on serving, then they're given facility in the next life. Thank you. Any more reflections? Some from the internet.
1: There are two there. One is from Sashireka Devi Dasi. She's saying, uh, sharing a reflection, that we all are fighting with our mind, even though we know it's our mind which is causing us misery. But we continue to suffer like this. Thank you, Prabhu, for reminding us. Only with constant reminder, we will be able to cross this ocean of misery.
0: Yes, so the reminder is something that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mentioned is important. It's, you could be described as Sambandha Sambandagyan means knowledge of our relationship with Krishna and our non-relationship with the material world. The Vedas say, asango kyayam purushaha. Actually, little jiva, you have no relationship with the material world. It's dead matter. We're not like matter at all. Matter is completely foreign to us. That's why it's so frustrating. It's like, why are you falling apart? <laughs> Why can't you just work? When I think work, why don't you work? The, the more subtle we become. I saw somebody was demonstrating some uh, a device the other day. He puts it on his head, and then he thinks of something that he wants to look up on Google. And then it just searches for it, because it interprets his thoughts. Have you seen that? Google well, It's not like, hey, Google, I want this. You actually, he's just thinking it, you know. <laughs> I saw that, You saw that? It's a little scary, but anyway, there's ways in which we're always trying to make things more subtle, because we're subtle beings, and I mean, even that we won't be satisfied with. It'll probably be confounding in the end, because there'll be ways in which, you know, there's a little machine following our thoughts or something. But the fact is that uh, that sense of frustration is always there because we're incompatible with the material nature, and being reminded on a regular basis, every day, that you're not part of this world, you're actually part of the spiritual world, is important because the material world's a big cult. It's, it's a total fanatical cult scene here in the material world, because everybody's subscribing to the same idea, that, you know, I'm meant to be here, I am my body. That's very cult-like. Pretending to be something you're not, putting on a uniform, and walking around and, and doing crazy stuff. I mean, it's actually insane. So we should break away from this dangerous cult of the material world and become uh, real people again, real citizens, lovers of, of the Supreme Personality it free from the influence of the material senses. Break free from the cult of the material world. Okay, and the second question was,
1: these are com- the coming up are comments on, from Facebook, and uh, <laughs> this is so funny. Um, one is that uh, Gina is saying that um, she, uh, about the book, the teachings of Lord Chaitanya. She says that I don't have the book, I haven't seen that, but from your description of it, it looks like it's a book that one should have.
0: <laughs> okay, that's one reason. What's your second one? <laughs>
1: Yeah, just, one, just give me one second. I'll last Gina, it
0: you had to send us your address. We'll make sure you get this book.
1: Yeah, G- G- yeah, Gina, you can post the address on Facebook. Oh, maybe separately. I'll I'll get in touch with you separately. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there is Flickr Rawson. <laughs> that name kind of threw me off. <laughs> but it's not our Flickr, I guess. Um, well, in this crazy material world, we need the... CC book because we are broke, busted, and disgusted. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: okay. Watching from Minneapolis airport.
0: Yeah, you definitely got yourself a book. Yeah. <laughs> you get a book, and you get a book.
1: And then Suraksha Makam says, Teachings of Lord Chaitanya. Who would not want to get such instructions from none other than the most merciful incarnation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in this Kali Yuga? I would love to get the book.
0: Three books. Okay, keep track. Somebody keep close track and we'll make sure we get them out to you as soon as possible. Thank you. So now, what to do about this? So I, I'm in a state of, of perplexity. This is Devahuti. Feel free to be perple- as perplexed as you wish. Don't think it's abnormal. It's very normal. To, this, these are the most high-minded beings you can find, Devahuti. Uh, the mother who was able to give birth to an avatar, as an example. And if she's frustrated, broke, busted, and disgusted, then we have every right to be. In fact, we should be. If we're not, then maybe we haven't broken free from the mass consensual trance and the cult of the material world. So how to get free. This little handbook here tells you how to break free from the cult of the material world and join the free residence of the spiritual world and such commonsensical instructions herein, written in the Sanskrit language, only high beings write in Sanskrit. The English discovered this when they came to India and they were walking around, strutting around saying, Europeans are the best people in the world and uh, you guys are primitive and all of a sudden one of their scholars ran into the Sanskrit language said, uh-oh, We just found the most advanced culture on earth. Because the culture is demonstrated through the language, and there is no more refined language on earth, no more sophisticated, uh, poetical, uh, expansive in meaning language than Sanskrit. So uh, they were stymied. Of course, the envious people who didn't want to admit it simply tried to degrade the, the scholar who brought it out to the world. But the fact is that this book is written in Sanskrit. It's written in simple uh, Sanskrit verses, and each one of them shows us a step-by-step process by which we can become free from the frustration of the material world and the cult of being attached to matter, which is really a deplorable and um, lamentable state of existence for such an exalted um, entity as the soul, which is part and parcel of God. So here's how to do it. The first verse gives this instruction. I'll say the line and then you please repeat. Vachovegam vegam manasakrodha vegam. Vacho vegam manasakrodha vegam. Chihuavegam vegam. yo Saravimam prativim sashisha And here's the translation. A sober person who can tolerate the urge to speak, the mind's demands, the actions of anger, and the urges of the tongue, belly, and genitals is qualified to make disciples all over the world. Can I see your compilation? from the pundit's pit over here. They have compiled uh, an extraction of all the pramanam verses, the, uh, ver- verses used for evidence, for explaining the philosophy behind each one of these verses, and they've put it into a, a compendium of verses here on these pages. Now, what a, an interesting way to go through any of these books, since we won't have time tonight to read all of the purports, is to take a sampling of the verses that the author has used within the purports, because then we can get a a trail of which way he's going, his thought process. And also, uh, when giving a presentation, it's helpful to, in your mind, line up a logical progression of verses that you'd like to present, because they will guide you in how to present the philosophy in a systematic way. Yes.
1: I wanted to ask whether the Pundit pit would like to share this document with all of us.
0: It could, it might cost you, but let's ask them what they think.
3: Right now we still need to sort through those shlokas and see which ones we need to keep and then after that we're working on a final PDF and then we'll be giving it out.
0: Okay. When you said PDF, I thought you were going to say a PhD thesis project. <laughs> You could write your Ph.D. thesis on any one of these verses or on the entire book itself, or on Rupa Goswami. So, um, in text one, and actually, I'm going to go back even because they provided even from the uh, preface, from the Upadeshamrita preface, which you don't have to go back to. Don't just follow everything I say, just listen for a sec. Uh, this is this is a, a verse extracted from the preface of this book, and it comes from a song by Shrivenarayan Das Thakur. This sets up the mood of the book. When I, when I am eager to understand the literature given by the Goswamis then I shall be able to understand the transcendental loving affairs of Radha and Krishna." So this indicates something very important, and that is the efficacy of Shastra. Those literatures which are coming down through the, the great masters of bhakti, who are intimate associates with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And in our line, coming from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the. Six Goswamis of Vrindavan were the most intimate followers of Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, both in Vapu and Vani. Some of them more in Vapu, personal association, and Vani, and others of them uh, in Vani only. But they gave, they explicated the entire philosophy of Krishna consciousness uh, as described by Srini thakur that... In such a way, nana shastra vicharanaika nipono dharma samstapako lokanam hitakaranu tribuvane manyo sharanyakaro, they took the time to compile the the most important parts of the shastra so that the people in general, lokanam, all over the world, could take to the simple process of bhakti yoga and become successful. So one should be connected to these teachings. It's a very important aspect, and that's what it means here. If you don't follow the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, then it will be impossible to imbibe the mood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu perfectly. But following the servants of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will get a perfect idea. Now in this first verse, uh, Prabhupada from his purport has given this uh, verse from the Shrimad Bhagavatam 619, Sri Raja Uvacha Drishva yat Yatpapam Janam Apya Manohitam Kuroti Puyo vivashaha Prayashitam Atokatam. Maharaj Prakrit said, One may know that sinful activity is injurious for him because he actually sees that a criminal is punished by the government and rebuked by people in general, and because he hears from scriptures and learned scholars that one is thrown into hellish conditions in the next life for committing sinful acts. Nevertheless, in spite of such knowledge, one is forced to commit sins again and again, even after performing acts of atonement. Therefore, what is the value of such atonement? So this indicates the onerous situation in uh, of being embodied, and that is that one may develop such a, an affinity for or the temporary material world, that one is said to be addicted to it. And even though one has an awareness that I'm being tortured by this addiction, still one can't give it up. Does that in any way, shape, or form sound familiar to any of you? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So we're we're in a um, in a struggle with the material nature. And here it's being said that it can't be done artificially. There's, there has to be a, a deep-rooted solution uh, that brings us to this point that the, the primary verse, verse number one, is telling us to be able to control the senses. And it starts off with vacho vegum. vegum. means an urge. There's an urge to speak and say any old darn thing. And we have these uh, Joppa uh, seminars that last a few days. And... Remember, the last one we went to was out in the desert somewhere. Where was that desert? What's it called? I forget. It wasn't Death Valley. But it, it was uh, noted that part of the seminar would include one day of silence, where all we do is chant, no talking. And I remember when we, were, when we were going there, most of the people who were attending the seminar said that was the part that they dreaded, is not talking for one whole day. As if you think about it, the tongue always wants to just move and say all kinds of things. And you say, no talking. For how long? Five minutes? No. One full day. Don't say anything to anyone. And it's, it's a scary concept because the tongue is so addicted to speaking anything. And then I remember when we were there for some time and, and we had reflections the next day after that day of only chanting and, and no talking to anybody. It was Giri Raj Maharaj was there and he said, he felt a great relief. Because he said, I realize how much time I spend, uh, when people come and ask me a question or they say something to me and I'm thinking what do I have to say in return (laughs) like say how are you It's like fine I guess how are you (laughs) like uh, there there's a constant engagement as we move around the world and talking to others thinking what to say a lot of its mindless and it's it's a great uh, urge and it's also um, the interactions we have are not necessarily uh, fulfilling so the point isn't to become completely silent, but it is to be discriminating and to realize the tongue is like the rudder. It's even shaped like a rudder, and our body is like a boat. And the way we speak will determine which direction we go. It also determines what's, also, what's in our heart as well. So that's why this verse is describing how a person who can control the, the speaking urge is a self-realized person, because what's inside necessarily comes out through the speaking. So this is described by the acharyas when they talk about the way in which uh, there are verifiable symptoms of a self-realized person. And anybody can uh, imitate uh, crying and so forth, and I've seen it before. There was a man on a bicycle and all day long. He'd drive around over down hill and every time I'd see him he was Woo! he was uh, crying and uh, I couldn't uh, you know how can you tell from somebody crying whether they're actually spiritually advanced or not but then when he started speaking and he spoke all nonsense then I said well <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't think that's a spiritual symptom Uh, So this is something that Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, that that a person is known by what he or she speaks, it comes out. So this is a a very substantial verse. The way in which we're we're able to observe ourselves and see the degree to which we can actually control our senses, beginning with the speech, is indicative of how much spiritual advancement we've made. Because what's inside comes out through the tongue. And on the other side, we should, um, we should take up the practice of bhakti yoga in order to control the tongue and to purify the senses. So both things are at work.
1: So Mara said on that uh, silence exercise was at the Palm Spring retreat?
0: Was it Palm Springs? I thought Joshua it. Tree.
1: Joshua Tree. That's what came from Flickr Rasan. So now we know who Flickr Rasan is. It's our Hansa from Minneapolis
0: Airport. <laughs> That's her... Uh, Pseudonym. Okay. So the next verse that Prabhupada quotes in the purport to verse number one is very telling. Again from six one ten. You know where this verse is going? It's talking about Kunjura Manye It's talking about an elephant. Has anybody seen an elephant take a bath? What does it do? It takes a nice bath, and it comes out on the shore, and it throws dirt all over its body. So this is uh, the way in which oftentimes people, they'll overcome a bad habit, and then next thing you know, they're back doing it again. There's lots of songs about it. And so this is uh, natural, because the urge to do it is still embedded within the heart and mind. So, th- now we're sleuthing out the meaning of this verse because vachovegam Vega, How do you actually become a person who can uh, not just respond to the impulses that, that come be- as a result of our previous association? So then the next verse comes from the Chaitanya reading. krishna surya sama maya hoy andakar Jahan-krishna-tahan-nahi-maya-adhikar <inaudible> Krishna is compared to sunshine and maya is compared to darkness. Wherever there is sunshine, this is Madhya 2231, there cannot be darkness. As soon as one takes to Krishna consciousness, the darkness of illusion, the influence of the external energy will immediately vanish. So this is a foundational principle that anyone can keep in mind and it doesn't require that is one is a rocket scientist to understand this although I found out we did have a rocket scientist here. And that is that uh, if you stay close to Krishna, somehow or other, in whatever way you can, then you'll be near the light. And that will dissipate the darkness within the heart, the darkness of ignorance that causes me to act irrationally as if I'm a part of the material world, which I'm not. And some, anyone can do this, even a dog. We see from the Chaitanya Media that the uh, Sivananda Sen, when he was going on the Yatra, leaving Mayapur and going down to Jagannath Puri, was taking a, 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 a group of devotees and he was caring for them, making sure they had a place, place to sleep at night, make sure that they were able to, to eat and so forth. And then a dog, Just a street dog came in and asked if he could join the party. Dogs don't really ask so much. They just kind of jump in. And and Sivanandasen said, sure, you can come. And he started protecting the dog. And he told the cook in the Yatra that every night you have to make sure to feed the dog rice. And then when they came to the boats to cross the river, uh, many of the boatmen said, no dogs. Sivanandasen said, I'll pay you extra because he's with us. And the dog followed all the way to Jagannath Puri, got the association of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and became a liberated soul, is the story. And so in a similar way, even if one has at least the the simple uh, good instinct to follow the devotees, just like a dog might, and take a little rice with the devotees, at night, you can just sleep nearby, and if anybody comes by, you can just get up and bark. And this is what Bhakti Natakar writes in one of his songs. He said, "This is this is the position I'll take. I'll just be a dog in your service, and I will, I will um, live on the in the yard. You and your associates, you stay in, and you speak about Krishna and do your bhajan, and I'll stay outside and guard the house. And then." Whenever you're done eating, you just throw the scraps into the yard and that's what I'll eat. If anybody comes to bother you, I'll scare them away. And that'll be my position. So if someone becomes dedicated to Krishna in any way, and even in the most simple way, if you stay close to Krishna because he's the sun, then you become illuminated and purified by that association. So then... Prabhupada quotes from the Srimad Bhagavatam again. He said, Nayad Vitash Chitrapadam Hare Yasho one five ten. Jagat Pavitram Prakrnita Kharichit Tadvaya tirtimushanti Manasa Nayatrahungsan Niramantiushiksnaya all these are keepers. Yeah. <laughs> Those words which do not describe the glories of the Lord who alone gives can sanctify the atmosphere of the whole universe are considered by saintly persons to be like under unto a place of pilgrimage for crows. Since the all-perfect persons are inhabitants of the transcendental abode, they do not derive any pleasure there. Who knows why Prabhupada gave that verse in the purport. Yes. Please pass the mic back to Sundarananda Prabhu. He's in the plaid shirt in the back. Back left corner. Lumberjack shirt.
2: it's because uh, the verse talks about Macho uh, which is controlling the speech and uh, so the, the words um, which doesn't describe the glories of the Lord are um, considered to be so I was, I mean I this, my thinking, is the connection between the speech and uh, So much um, so,
0: and this is a really good direction you're going, so much so that in the chapter this verse comes from Yad Vachash Chitta Patam Harir shu. There, uh, uh, This is Narada Muni speaking to Vyasadeva. Vyasadeva is a literary incarnation of Krishna and his guru is Narada. That's a hard service to preach to Vyasadeva. What are you going to say? But he said that you wrote all these Vedas, you wrote all these Puranas, you Mahabharata, Bhagavad Gita, everything, you didn't go far enough. He's telling him that uh, what you've spoken so far isn't good enough. You have to speak more directly about the Supreme Personality of Godhead because anything that doesn't directly connect to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he said, acts in various forms to agitate the mind the way the wind agitates a boat on water which has no resting place on the other hand he said nayadvachitrapradam harir yasho jagapavitram praganita karit. Whoops I'm saying that verse. I meant to say um tadvagvisargo janataga viplavo yasmin prati shlokam about yavatapi namanyanantashya shonkitani shinvanti gayanti grinanti granantisada that if you're talking krishna consciousness even if you're not very eloquent even if you don't pronounce it right. Even if you skip a word here or there, because you're speaking Krishna Kata, it's revolutionary. It'll have its effect. And on the other side, if you write all these fancy literatures, but it doesn't connect to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then basically you're just engaging in an activity that is worthy of of crows who eat garbage or anything. They'll eat anything. They're omnivores. That means whatever it is, it's fine with them. And that's what those who are non-discriminating are like in the the manner of speech and in the manner of hearing. They hear whatever it may be. That's like crows. So now we're starting to see that there's a practical way in which that one can refine one's senses. Power of speech, power of hearing. All of one's indriyas can be engaged, especially beginning with hearing and chanting. And it starts with this process of hearing Krishna-katha. If you hear Krishna-katha in the Association of Devotees, you'll develop the strength to overcome the vegas. And why is this important? It's mentioned in the first verse itself. vacha vegam mana mana-sakrodha-vegam, udara vegam udara-pasta-vegam, vi sarvam apimam it basically says, if someone is able to overcome the urges of the senses, then such a person becomes the spiritual master of the whole world. Everyone becomes that person's disciple. And the reason is because normally the senses are the rulers of this world. Everyone's beholden to the senses. Even Muchikunda, the great king. And when he prayed to Krishna, he said, everyone thinks I'm a big emperor or king but I'm a slave to my senses. Therefore, the senses are the actual gods of this world and they control everybody. If someone is able, through the practice of bhakti, to overcome the urges of the senses, starting on the most basic level, that person becomes qualified to lead others. Otherwise, one's being led by one's senses and whatever one says is not so useful. Okay. We'll take a few reflections or questions. Yes.
1: I uh, I just remembered when you said, you know, that uh, like poetry uh, for Krishna, even if the composition is not perfect, it's still perfect because it's about Krishna. So I was reminded about Gunaraj Khan from Kulinagram. I think um, he wrote something about Krishna. Krishna, the son of Nanda Maharaj, is my life and soul. And I think the poetry was not very, like, grammatically, or, you know, uh, it's not, but uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that I'm sold in his hands because uh, of the mood. I, I, I don't remember the details. But. You
0: got most, 98% of the details. It was called Shri Krishna Vijay. Gunaraj Khan was a great king, and he wrote this book that is, probably, said, a staple. It's been read, you know, for hundreds of years. He said, everyone should read this book. And, and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because it's said in the book itself that she uh, nanda nanda more He said nanda nanda krishna is my life and soul. So then Mahaprabhu said, "All right, whoever wrote this book, he's very dear to me. Not only that, everyone in his whole village is dear to me. Not only that, even a dog who lives in that village is dear to me. <laughs> so bhakti is so powerful. If that sentiment is felt anywhere." That Krishna is my life and soul. It doesn't matter what else is going on. You can be a dog running around. If you're in that village, you get considered. mapu says, you're in. You're good. You're good. Yeah. So this is uh, the power of bhakti. Nothing else has the same effect as a pure bhakti does. It's not, um, what verse am I thinking? Nayam sukapa Bhagavan, Dehinam Gopikasta, Gyaninam Chatma Bhutanam. Last line. yatha Bhakti Matam Iha. Got it. So, Mahaprabhu quoted this verse several times, and he said from the Bhagavatam 10th canto, and it says that nothing is as powerful as bhakti. This pure sense that Krishna is my life and soul. And he says, You can be a ghani big ghani you can be a big yogi. You can be a big materialist. It doesn't impress Krishna at all. But if you have a tiny little bit of bhakti sentiment in this world, then Krishna thinks, this person belongs to me. And you can even be associate of the person who thinks like that. And then Krishna says, that person also belongs to me. You can even be a dog that lives in the same house or village of that person. Krishna says, that dog belongs with me. Bhakti is so powerful. What are the things? Anything? Okay. Yes. I
2: remember in Prabhupada's uh, purports to the Srimad Bhagavatam, he says that the Srimad Bhagavatam is, association with the Srimad Bhagavatam is as good as association with Krishna personally. So I was just thinking that if we can just develop eagerness For hearing Krishna-katha, it's a tangible way of developing eagerness to associate with Krishna.
0: Yes, and this Jiva Goswami mentions in the bhakti Sandarbha. He said, there's a direct correlation between your desire to hear Krishna-katha and your advancement in Krishna consciousness. The two are synonymous. To the level that you've developed a desire to hear about Krishna, to that degree you're advanced. And this is also confirmed by Kapiladev, he describes devotional service that's affected by the mode of ignorance, devotional service affected by the mode of passion, devot- devotional service is affected by the mode of goodness, and then he gives a verse that describes devotional service that's transcendental. Madguna shuti matrena mai Sarva shaye, mano gatir avichina yata gangam maso budhav. Then? Bakshanam bhakti yoga a avyavahita bhakti So this is the definition of transcendental bhakti. And it means that when one's mind chases after Krishna Kata, when you hear it and your mind naturally goes there. It's like animals. I used to have cats when I was a kid. And he put the can opener. As soon as they hear it in the other room, they come running in. <laughs> We're getting fed. I heard the can opener. <laughs> and so, in the same way, a person whose mind has reached this purified state, when he or she hears anything, one fragment of Krishna Kata, what to speak of, there's a game going on in the back room where people are leaning into the Bhagavatam. They want to be there that they can't be anywhere else. They can't imagine being somewhere else and missing even like a sentence. And this is, in the poetry, says the mind is drawn to it just as the rivers, the Ganges, is drawn to the sea inexorably. It never stops. Nothing can stop it. And that the symptoms of bhakti, lakshanam bhakti yogasya nirgonasya hiraritam, that is, beyond the modes of nature, means haituki ki avyavahita, it's causeless. There's no any reason. I don't want anything in return. And I also never stop. Sub-bhakti Purushottama. This is real bhakti. What else? Yes. Um,
3: I liked I like, I like the story about the dog and how he spent a lot of time with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and how he became a liberated soul in the end. And that just shows how powerful like devotional service is or like association of devotees is.
0: Yeah, it's a charming story, isn't it? And it's interesting that it starts at the beginning of the Antyalila, which is the most esoteric book on bhakti in the universe. And it starts off with a story of how simple bhakti is that if a dog gets attached to a Vaishnav, then he's in, and he goes back to Godhead. Yes?
3: Um, I was just reflecting on this verse. It kind of relates to the topic of sense gratification and like, Um, in the teachings of Queen Kinti where she mentions like And um, the translation to that was um, being beyond the range of limited sense perception, you are the eternally irreproachable factor covered by the curtain of diluting energy. You are invisible to the foolish observer, exactly as an actor dressed as a player is not recognized. And I thought this verse was very powerful because um, it kind of shows how we as living entities are so covered by ignorance and um, like sense gratification that beyond it, there's actually something more and something that is worth chasing rather than the temporary changing things in the material world. So.
0: Well done. <laughs> but I'd like to see... What do you think about our methodology of extracting the pramanam verses from the purports? Do you think we're well served doing this? Uh, We extracted the verses from the purports.
3: I think it's useful because
0: we get to know what the purports are talking
3: about without spending the full time of reading the purports. Like if we have a shorter amount of time, we can look through all those verses and get the understanding of it.
0: Nice. Okay, good. You agree? Yes. Okay. Yes, another question from the internet. So far, only three takers of the the teachings of Lord Chaitanya. Anyone online who's listening, and you can write two reasons why you'd like to have this book, and write it in. We'll send you the book right away.
1: This is from uh, Man Harini Devitasi. Dandar Pranams to you. How can we engage senses which are grossly engaged in material world for so many birds? there is a retaliation by these
0: senses. That's really true, retaliation. Krishna talks about this in the um, in the 11th cant of the Bhagavatam when he's speaking to Uddhava about the process, different processes of yoga and he said, sometimes people, they take up their own ideas, besides bhakti, of how to control the senses, and one of them is fasting. doesn't mean fasting on a kaddashi, because that's transcendental. But it means that They'll fast for long periods of time, thinking that in a military way that I'm going to, st- I'll damn them up, I'll stop them, and then he says, "What happens is they come back and retaliate later. They'll come back after four or five days of fasting, and they'll say, say, all right, you held me back, now you're going to pay. <laughs> now you eat twice as much.' <laughs> and so, yes, th- there is a way in which." The senses will demand even more. They can retaliate against us. Therefore, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, Everyone will come running now from... Him. <laughs> Class is over. The fact is... <laughs> Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, he says, the senses are network of paths leading to death. And of all the senses, the tongue is the most voracious and difficult to control. But you are so kind, dear Lord Krishna. You have given us Krishna Prasadam to help us conquer the tongue. Now let us take this prasad to our full satisfaction. And doing so will glorify Sri Srirana and Krishna. You glorify them by taking prasadam. And in love, call for the help of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Inananda. That's. What Bhakti Muntakwar says in a subsequent prayer, the yogis, what they attain after 10,000 years of meditation, will attain in one sitting by taking the Lord's prasadam. You take the Raj Bhog, and you take that, and your uh, senses become so satisfied, and they're thinking of Krishna at the same time. All of them become stimulated. Uh, There's a devotee who lives in Vrindavan, an old friend of mine, uh, who's been cooking the Raj Bog for for Shishi Shama Sundar, Krishna Balaram, Shishi Gonditai there in Vrindavan. He's never left except once he came to my house and stayed to get his 10-year visa together and maybe one other time. His name is Bhuvaneshwar Prabhu. He's a lifelong brahmachari. And now he's probably 70 years old. For so many years he just lived in a little kind of like cave-like room underneath the altar. And his main thing is just go up and cook for the Lord in heat. And it gets like 130 degrees in Vrindavan sometimes. And he'll be in the kitchen cooking the Raj Bhog. Freezing winter, he's there. He also leads kirtan in the 24-hour kirtan. And um, yeah, he's pretty famous because of being steady in his service. And also for his, his name is Bhuvaneshwar, So his sayings are called Bhu-isms. One of them, he always says to me during Mongol Artik, he'll come up and he goes, I can't get no bhav. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Prabhu, when I stayed there once, it was 2001, I went to the Pursottam I went early, before Kartik, because I wanted to be there for pushottam It was really hot. I stayed at the Goshala. And every day, Bu said, you come here every day and take the Rajbhog. And because that's one of the vows in Kartik, it's just, just eat Mahaprasadam." So I went there every day and he'd feed me this Rajbhog offering. And I'd just sit on the floor in his little cave, and the most transcendental experience that I, that I could ever experience, just sitting there having the Lord's remnants, that's why Sri Uddhava says, in the third canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, pundits, microphone. No,
3: mic. Translation. It says, um, I remember the shloka mentioned something about eating the remnants. <laughs> yes.
0: And means that we'll conquer maya. We'll conquer the unconquerable. How? By taking the remnants of your food. And we'll wear the garlands that you wore. And any other thing. The clothes that you had. We'll, we'll put them on. And by that, he said, we'll conquer over the material energy. So the answer to this conundrum about the senses is we have to immerse them in spiritual sense gratification. People don't get that in the material world. They get Taco Bell.
1: <laughs>
0: That's like, uh, ouch! I mean, it hurts on every level. It hurts the physical body, the mental body. It, it puts one in Taco Bell land. And uh, you go to sleep, you drink about some, you know, weird thing, because you get attacked by the Taco Bell man, uh, like it's kind of some kind of ghost. And that's what happens in the material world. Prabhu. Coming from the kitchen. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna? Hare Krishna.
1: I like Takabill sometimes. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have one question.
0: Uh, how you prepare
1: to lecture? Uh, you have some maybe someone asked you before, but for me it's really interesting. I every time listen from kitchen. Uh, you have a plan or you have some points and follow by this, oh, it's just bhakti. And <laughs> how it was first times? And what's, how many changing you have till this time?
0: First class I ever gave was in Chicago. Because I had joined in San Francisco. And then they sent me to, they shipped me off to Chicago after <laughs> about nine months. And then I, I landed there and someone came up to me and said, you got to give bhagavatam class. And I said, what? You're kidding me. <laughs> and I... And I I really wasn't sure what to say. But then I started listening to other people. I listened to Jai Waitamar as he came there. And it just flowed out of him how he he knew verses and he knew all these things. And then I realized that he was hearing all the time and reading Prabhupada's books. And it was just natural for him to speak. Um, I once talked to a godbrother of mine who had become a really good speaker. I I met him in Vrindavan. I heard one of his classes. I hadn't seen him in... Um, like 20 years or something like that. So I I made an appointment. I said, could we go for a walk? I would ask you something. And I said, so how did you become such a good speaker of Krishna Kata? And he goes, by teaching it. And he said, the more I teach it, the more I have to prepare to think what to say and pray what to say. And then the more it became natural for me, he said. Of course, I haven't been able to take advantage of any of those instructions. But if anyone hears about Krishna sufficiently, then there will naturally be something to say. And so there is a way of preparing for class, which you can write everything down and calculate what you're going to say. Uh, and there's another way in which you just use every minute to hear Krishna kata and depend on Krishna when you sit down to speak. Both ways are, are, are okay. Is that right? Yes, one, two. One, two. Who has the mic? You go ahead and then Shrada.
3: Hare Krishna Maharaj. Maharaj, I was thinking that since we have taken uh, so many lifetimes and we are uh, seriously infected uh, with the infection, and this infection needs antibiotic, and this antibiotic has to be taken daily from the authorized uh, source, like right now, and if we miss it, even one day, then it will relapse. The, the 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 infection will relapse again. Then you will be again fall into the Maya. So, it's very important to uh, you know to have take the natural course every day throughout the life, and hopefully then infection
0: will not appear again. Bravo. Yeah. The answer to the to the conundrum that. Huti is expressing, Dev answers her and says, here's how you overcome this attachment to the material world. Because later on, after she expresses her frustration, she says that, I don't think it's possible, doesn't seem possible, she said, to get out of this. Because I'm so attached to my mind and my body that how will I ever become free from this? And Dev basically very calmly says, you just have to hear for a long time and stay engaged in service. And long time is emphasized. means a lifetime, at least, of dedication to hearing about Krishna. And that one senior devotee I know, who was uh, one of Prabhupada's godbrothers, and I, I went to visit with one of my godbrothers, who's an ascetic. His legs are this thin, because he's always fasting all the time. And uh, this this senior devotee looked at him. He was very old at the time. I think he was in his 80s. He looked at him, and he says, you're doing too many austerities. He said, you just chant. When Krishna wants you, he'll come and get you. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to be patient and we have to uh, keep uh, connected to Krishna in the way that he recommends the most, which is to be in the association of advanced Vaishnav. Advanced Vaishnav means one who's interested in hearing Krishna kata, not shooting the breeze. I mean, not that you can't, Interact with people on a normal level. It doesn't mean to become a f- fanatic, f- but it, you know Prabhupada told jokes But it means to, that the mainstay of your life is, is hearing and chanting Shredda, you had one.
1: Yeah, actually two follow-ups. One was uh, continuing on with Radhika Prabhupada, was he was talking about um, eat, having the antibiotics. I was thinking about the verse in uh, Ishopanishad which talks about Shuddham, Papavidham, where it is antibiotic, antiseptic and uh, prophylactic. So I, I was thinking that while you are Uh, while you're contaminated then you need to take you got the infection so you need to take the antibiotics but once the infection goes away still because you're in in the same environment you continue to take the prophylactics to to prevent yeah
0: it's a preventative you should always take it and don't think that you you can't be affected by Maya this is a a foolhardy stance because she's really powerful and she can sneak in in ways you can't even imagine so really fortify yourself by humbly chanting the holy name and taking shelter constantly. Yes?
1: And my other question was like, which verse of Srimad Bhagavatam did you teach in Chicago?
0: I don't remember. <laughs> oh, actually I do. It was in the section, it was the first canto, and it was about Prikshit Maharaj. I couldn't imagine what to say about it. It was about how he was like a lion. A li- they were describing, they were glorifying the appearance of Maharaj Prikshit. That's what it was. Thanks for reminding me. And he, and it was, it, it, was, it was a verse that described how he was lion-like. And I was thinking, this is not philosophical. What am I going to say? <laughs> what am I going to possibly say about this? But it's good for everybody to practice speaking Krishna katha because whatever, whatever you know from the Bhagavad Gita, if you teach it to other people, it will begin to expand in your life and your vocabulary will expand. It's good to make... Mistakes and, and also run into sections that you can't explain, and then you go ask somebody else, What would you say about this? That's how you grow in your repertoire, being able to preach Krishna consciousness. Oftentimes, when I listen to Prabhupada, which is almost constantly now thanks to Bali Mardan Prabhu, he gave me this little device for my birthday. Watch this.
1: Why isn't he so in this age. Very difficult execution of spiritual life, uh, austerity, penance, that's not possible. People are so fallen that they cannot accept any severe type of austerity. It is not possible. Yeah. Therefore, the gender system is not at all possible. In this uh, As we have several times discussed, in very difficult, uh, the very beginning is Jiang Nyong, contrary, everything contrary. Not to be uh, licentious, everything contrary. life begins Jianga in the your no purpose of practicing yoga is controlling the sense.
0: Hey, I didn't plan that. <laughs> <laughs> has all the Prabhupada's lectures from beginning to end. A little chip in here, embedded chip with all of his lectures. And all you have to do is put the button on and, and it plays them in succession so you can go through and mark them all off. We have to find out where to get these and get one for everybody. Right? Because I got another one before, I thought it was the top of the line. And then I was up in Toronto and I saw Bhakti Marg I stayed in the same room with him and, and he saw me using my bigger one. And uh, it's a little unwieldy because you turn the button and it's too loud, whatever. And then uh, he said, Oh, I have one of those. And I said, Let's see. And he pulled out this sleek little thing. And I said, And he goes, Don't get envious. <laughs> But I was thinking, why did I get the big one? He got this. And then Bali Mardan gave me this. And it's been really nice. It fits right in my bag. Anyway, uh, I forgot what question we're answering. <laughs>
1: the first
0: lecture, and, and where you were right. talking about okay. that that is 112.22. <laughs> 112.22, there it is. Okay. Prabhupada said if you listen to one, if you go to Bhagavatam class, one verse a day, in 50 years you'll finish the Bhagavatam. That's your, that's your uh, be a sage page by page. And that's not bad. What else? Any other things? Okay, one more question. And then we need one more section here and we'll have kirtan.
1: Uh, so this is uh, from Bhakta Shivatsa. Sometimes when looking at Shastra and at my personal life, I have seen that the association of devotees is so important and that it seems that without the association of advanced Vaishnavas, everything is hopeless as Vaishnavas keep me going. What can I do if you cannot readily give the association of Vaishnavas to stay steady in Krishna
0: consciousness. If you can't get or give?
1: You, you, you can, yeah. <laughs> I think that a. If time.
0: you can't get?
1: What can I do if you cannot readily get the association of Vaishnavas to stay steady in Krishna consciousness? If if uh, devotee association is not easily available, then what to do?
0: Well, if it's not easily available, then you have to be inventive. And somehow or other. This is the way that. Um, Prabhupada mentions many times, you'll hear him say this phrase throughout his lectures, he'll say, somehow or other. And this is also Ruba Goswami, yin, atain, apakarit, manat, na Somehow or other. One way or another, try to f- find a way to fix your mind on Krishna. And so, if you find yourself without the opulence of having lots of association, then figure something out. Like Pramini Niketana in Delhi, you know, he had some health problems. He couldn't go out. So he set up his room in, in, in a way that he was always connected with one of the artiques that's going on, either in Mayapur or somewhere around the world, always listening to something, staying in touch, feeling as if he's there with the, with the congregation listening. So you have to be inventive and find some way to, to connect. It's like devotees in prison. We write to several devotees in prison and it's not like they get tons of association in there. So one thing is they have to make their own association. Uh, Balavan Nitai, he's in jail uh, in Arizona. And he's always uh, distributing prasadam and, and books as much as he can. Then when he makes somebody a devotee, then he's got some association. The same for Prabhupada. When he came to America, he didn't have any association, so he had to make it. And he made a bunch of devotees, and then there was devotees around all the time. So if you're in a remote place, better have a program where you can make devotees. They'll come and then they'll be part of your sangha. And then you'll be happy. So, um, in, this, in this purport, we have verses from Chaitanya Charitamrita, Prema Vivarta, by Jagannath Pandit, more from Srimad Bhagavatam. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Pramanam verses in the first verse of the Upadeshamrita giving a, a complete explanation of Vacha Vegam Manasakrota Vegam. And so one could make a real study of this first verse, and then what you could do is go deeply within each one of the Pramanam verses. Because here you have it now, this formula. You look at the first verse and you say, what does it mean? And then you follow the commentary. And every time you come to one of these important verses, which are now extracted, you could go to that book and read deeply into that particular um, verse and purport and see what it means. And you'll get a composite understanding of the whole verse. Thank you very, very much for coming to Iskandar Silicon Valley tonight. Our basic philosophy here, our our, um, mantra that drives us, is always better service. We are um, aware of the fact that there's always more one can do to refine one's service, and the the only goal of life really is to stay continually in the service of Krishna, uh, without any stoppage. Whether you work outside or you work uh, in the temple, the, the... you can connect to Krishna, you can use your work as service or you can be directly cleaning the floor here or worshiping the deities and so forth. And uh, our other idea is that it's not so important what you do as how you do it. The the mood that you do it in and and the way that you're connecting to Krishna and and doing it in a generous way and involving others and cooperating with others and so forth. And it's the values that we develop as a culture here that make us ultimately successful in all ways So I have to go to New York early tomorrow morning So I'm sorry for running out But I have to um, catch an early flight Divyongi's flying out tonight, taking the red eye She's so austere warrior She's been here working in the streets And uh, we'll see her in New York t- tomorrow sometime <laughs> He'll be there before us And we're going to do uh, a book distribution monthly Sankirtan festival. She's leading the party out of the Brooklyn Temple for monthly Sankirtan. And uh, please take care of each other. Uh, It's very rare that we have this opportunity for Sangha. We don't know how long uh, Krishna will allow us to be together. So while you have the Association of Devotees, really relish the Association of Devotees, no matter who they are, where they come from, and and take good care, and um, please keep the vibration going. Thank you very much. We'll see you next Wednesday. Hare Krishna. (laughs) Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Hey! Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman.